guys ever make art and you say to yourself, this is just too precious to me to sell. I will never sell this. It's just so personal or it's beyond giving it away. I feel as an artist that if I create something and if somebody really wants it, since I created the first one, I could create another one. You know, I could do something else for myself. Now, yeah, what about you? Yeah, I guess if I really felt strongly about it, I probably wouldn't put it in a show where I would put like a really ridiculous price on it so that if they did want it, I would be like... We do know artists who do that. Oh, yeah. Yes, they'll really, really raise the this. price on it. Be 10 grand. <laughs> yeah, and and we know we, we know artists who have then gotten that price and oh. they're shocked and it's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Better start a new one. Yeah. All I need is a guitar. All I need is some strings. All I need is to find the words that I would like to sing. You are listening to the Genesis Collective's Creatives Podcast. Welcome back to the Genesis Collective Creatives Podcast, Beaver County's first and only podcast supporting local artists, celebrating art, and building community through creativity. On the podcast, we feature public art news and events, and we talk about art and arts culture here in Beaver County with local artists. We continue our artist conversation series here on location at the Merrick Art Gallery. Be sure to check out our recent episode about the Merrick. It truly is a rare fine arts gem in Beaver County, and far too many people either don't know about it or have never visited the gallery and museum. My guests today know all about the Merrick. Today on the show, we have James and Deborah Tobin, who are members of Beaver Valley Artists. You guys hold your meetings here in Merrick? Yes, we do. And there are art exhibits here. You guys have showings here, art classes here. That's right. We uh, the, the, the Merrick is a wonderful place for us. Uh, they've really been very uh, receptive to helping the Beaver Valley Arts Group get all of our work out to the public. And you guys have been involved for a long time. I think we've been members of uh, Beaver Valley for at least five, five, five or more years. Oh, yeah! Wow, yeah, it's probably more like seven. Closer to seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. But we've been coming here forever. Yeah. I'm the vice president of the the group. Beaver Valley Artists. It's about fine arts. Is that is that the right way to put that? About fine arts and how what are fine arts? Yes. They do embrace all styles of art. So uh, oil painting, acrylic, pastel. Uh, we have people who do uh, digital uh, photography, uh, sculpture. So we, we really do it, it embrace all different types of, of art as in our membership. Mm-hmm. And James, you you uh, you're a digital guy. Yep, yep. I had to wave my hand when you said digital, oh, I see. even though we're on the podcast. <laughs> the visual cue. Hey, that's yeah. me. Now that's uh, this is new, yeah. right? This is new in the big scheme of things, right? So here we are in the in Merrick, and we have some rather old old artwork here. I mean, beautiful old collection of art. Nineteenth century works here. Um, is there anything older than that? Seventeen hundreds, maybe. I'm not sure exactly how the oldest piece is here. Uh, Digital art, wow, this is the modern stuff. How do you describe digital art? Well, it, it can be it can be painting using you know digital tools instead of a paintbrush. It could be taking a photograph and then you know manipulating it until it turns into more of a piece of art than a photograph. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, like the composition and all of that's still there, very important. Does all this AI stuff does that fit in the realm of digital art? 
I think so. It's it's kind of like the new, uh, you know, like it's the new bad guy. Like digital used to be like, oh, you do digital. And now it's like, oh, AI, ooh, boo, you know. But I, I, I really haven't done a lot with the AI other than like play around with it, you know, type in uh, pastel city with birds and then see what it produces. And then from that, maybe you could look at that and get an idea of what you would want to paint or create digitally. But I don't think on its own it's really anything yet. I think I can spot that AI stuff a mile away. It just has a certain look about it. I mean, on the internet anyways, I see it show up on social media and so forth. It just looks overly worked, uh, too slick. Yeah, like the faces are always kind of off too. Like if it's a portrait, you can, you can kind of tell it's AI. I mean, kind of creepy. And I get that same sense. It's creepy. It's creepy looking. I mean, you know, formalistically though, it's, I mean, it's kind of cool. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Well, that's the same thing that happened with animation, though, when it became went from hand animation to digital animation. So uh, the, the most difficult thing to do is a person. So uh, when, when they were doing uh, work with uh, animating cute little animals or cartoons or backgrounds, those things were easy, uh, easier, I should say. Uh, but whenever you try to do a human being because we're so used to seeing people and the actions and the facial expressions. That's why they are, they're the most difficult because we immediately catch when something looks off and then it gets that creepy look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about this AI stuff and trying to wrap my head around it. And, um, so here we are. This is the question of, you know, is this, um, I don't know, air quotes, legitimate art. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm still, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's, if you're trying to create AI, I mean, it's coming from a human saying, I would like a city with birds, uh, you know, and the AI generates it, but the idea still came from, you know, your imagination. Yeah. And the yeah. question is, where is it pulling all of this information from? Because that seems to be what the real conversation is about. Are they putting in artwork from the masters? And when you type in oil, is it going to a famous painting and trying to pull a technique from that? Or is there a way that you can do it so that you're using your own style? And if you're using your own style and you're putting in the parameters and it comes generates something, is that closer to being real art or AI, just something AI generated? Uh, and I think they're coming into a lot of conversations about stealing people's techniques and using them in these AI programs. And that's a big part of it right now and what they're trying to sort out. Isn't this just a slicker, more automated way of uh, the way artists have always worked? Copying the masters, mm -hmm. stealing, borrowing, adapting other techniques into one's own. I mean, really? Are we just kind of doing the same thing ultimately. I mean, Deborah, where does your where do you draw from when you do your art? Well, I was just going to say I think the 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 thing is to to learn from the masters and and appreciate them, but then everybody really needs to an artist needs to come up with their own voice and their own style. So if all you're doing is picking an artist that you like and trying to copy their style, to me that's not what it's about. When I do my art, it's like I want it to reflect me and, and what I'm thinking and how, how I feel about it and get my vision of what this painting should be. And I work in a lot of different, um, a lot of different things because I like different mediums. So a lot of people will, they're, they're a watercolor artist and, and they stay with watercolor and that's what they work with. I jump around a lot. 
3D fiber acrylic printmaking, like all, all, I, I find it all fascinating. But I think through all of those mediums, it still has my look to it. So uh, I do a lot of texture. I do a lot of color. Um, so you can see that no matter what medium I'm working with. You can look at it and see that it's one of yours. Yeah. But. So it has that Deborah Tobin. Well, it, 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 right. It's like it's, <laughs> it has, yeah, it yeah. just, it, it's how I feel. And that's what comes out then. James, you, do you have a signature look to your art? Um, I, yeah, I think so. I, I started out mainly acrylic. And, you know, as the computers got better and better and it didn't take it 20 minutes to load the program, it, it got better and better and I started playing in there. But, yeah, I, I think it, they all kind of still look like what I would do, whether I'm using a paintbrush or pastel or the digital. I think they all kind of have a certain quality about them. Maybe a little warped. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you guys live in the county. You're from Ambridge. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Ambridge. James, are you also from the county? I'm from South Hills originally. I, I've been here now 25 years. Oh, well, welcome. Welcome. Yeah, I still feel, I still feel new sometimes. You know, I'll make a wrong turn and be like, how long have I lived here? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So how did you guys get into art? I knew from a very young age that I was going to be an artist. That's It's what I was most interested in. I had teachers in the uh, Amherst School District who really fostered that. Uh, ended up going to uh, Beaver County Votech. Went to the Art Institute and um, have just worked in publishing, media, and um, photography my whole life. So, yeah, so you've been into the arts from the get-go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. James, how about you? Yeah, you, you knew all along. Well, I, I started out like um, my mother always did paintings and art, and I would go to other kids' houses and, and be like, hey, where's your paintings? Wouldn't this and your mom make paintings? You know, so my mom did it, and then my older sister was a really good artist. And then, you know, she would leave her stuff out and I would sneak up in the attic and, you know, started making my own. And I, I think I knew at a really young age that I was artistic or was going to, be, you know, try and get into art. And, you know, it's a similar story to Deb. Like I, I had a teacher in school that really encouraged it and just went from there. And I, I'd actually gotten away from it a little bit. Like I would paint for my own enjoyment, but I wasn't like showing it to anybody other than Debbie, you know, like when we got together and uh, she kind of brought me back out and it's, it's been great. Did either of you have um, visions of grandeur, you know, as you were getting more and more into your art? Like, I could really make this. I can be the next, you know, uh, big artist of my day. Or were you just like, I, like I a paint, hobbyist? I paint or? for myself. For I mean, yourself. I, yeah, I love to paint. I, I, love, I love to do art. And uh, yeah, so it was never about, oh, you know, I mean, it's, it's wonderful to have shows and be able to uh, show your art to people. But it's not the primary focus. Yeah, it was always the same here. It was always for my enjoyment. Enjoyment, stress relief, that kind of thing. Right, so fame never factored in. Fame didn't, fame didn't factor in. <laughs> I'd, I'd heard about starving artists all along, so I thought, oh. Yeah, I, my father was concerned when I told him I was going to be an artist. Because oh, he, yeah, yeah. How, how was I going to live? Um, but right. it's... It's always been because I, well, I'm also a graphic designer. And so I worked for newspapers and, you know, so I have kind of the fine art side, but then also the graphic illustrator side. Right. So. You don't hear of many professional artists. I mean, a lot of people do art, right? They do the paintings for, you mm -hmm. know, as in just avocation. But yeah, for being a professional artist, that's kind of rare, really, in the scheme of things. I yeah, guess. just flat out say, hello, I'm an artist. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that's, I, I mean, I guess that's what I've always considered myself and, you yeah. know, because yeah. of my profession and all. But uh, Yeah, you've worked with, yeah, I mean, you, you've stayed in 
the profession. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always been you know an artist, whether you know, graphic, you know, designer, you know, some some point of it. But uh, but yeah, when you find somebody who can be a fine artist painter and and that is their profession, then that's always interesting to yeah to find somebody who can generate that income to be able to do that at a yeah. There's yeah. I mean there's they're around they're around mm-hmm. the valley around Western PA, but. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people probably don't think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feel that way. Yeah, right, right. And then you look at some of the people who, uh, I guess, quote unquote, make it as uh, professional artists uh, selling their work for, you know, tons and tons of cash. <laughs> and you just have to scratch your head sometimes and say, wow, how, how does that strike? You know what I mean? There are lots of people mm-hmm. who are doing great art, as good, if not better, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you could say that. And they're not selling, you know, they're artworks for the nearly the same price it's uh, i guess it's this whole business side of of art that uh i'd like to yeah. do an episode about that someday that, yeah, that's, a, it is that's a code i've never cracked yeah because we do know people who have managed to get in uh with corporations and, and you know like if if you can hit with that and then you become the artist that they go to where they put it in all of their you're in all the hotels all of their hotels all, all the eaten parks yes you yeah, know then that's right. a really you know interesting thing that to be able to like you said crack that code yeah to, mm-hmm. wasn't diego rivera like a corporate artist he did massive works for lobbies of buildings and uh and you know major cities around the world so corporate artists that's I the guess. dream yeah <laughs> that's like that's it yeah you know paint the top of a chapel <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. I mean, there, look up. There's, yeah, my, there's my work. That, yeah, basically, that's, yeah. We have a patron. You're a really corporate cool. artist still. Yeah, mm-hmm. Michelangelo. I, I, I mean, I, I really have learned to embrace getting my art out there. I don't make a ton of money, but it's fun to sell a piece and, you know, to see how people react to it and, you know, what they're going to do, where they're going to put it and all of that. It's, it's, it's a mm-hmm. nice feeling. Well, let me ask you about that. So you make your art... I'm just going to assume, all right, it's something that's coming from your, the deep well of your creativity and, you know, your connectivity to, um, you know, your expressiveness and you put this thing out there and then there's an exchange of money and the, off that goes somewhere. Is that like losing a child or, or what? I don't know. What's that like? <laughs> it's, some of them are harder than, than others to let go. Uh, I mean, but with, with today's day, like you can take a digital image of your painting and, and you, you kind of still have it, but it's nice to know that somebody has it and they're appreciating it and they have it, you know, hung in their world. So I, I, it doesn't bother me to let things go. No, sometimes it's goodbye. Good luck. Yes. Sometimes it's wow. You know, cause I, they're, they're all, they're all my children and I love them all, mm-hmm. but there's that one that you may have entered into a show that you think well, I'm going to put this one in. I don't know how it's going to go over. And that's the one that sells. Or, or that's the one that takes the prize in the show. And you're like, really, that one? Like, that's the know, one. <laughs> but yeah, you just never know what other people are going to see. Or it's interesting to find out what other people see in your art. Oh, yeah, that must be interesting. Mm-hmm. Like seeing someone come up and look at your art and go, oh, that I really love that. And then mm-hmm. buy it. Mm-hmm. Right? They love it that much, mm-hmm. you know. There's always an exchange value equation in there, right? If someone likes it, do they like it enough to buy it? I guess that's always an interesting thing. Do you guys ever make art and you say to yourself, this is just too precious to me to sell. I will never sell this. It's just so personal or it's beyond giving it away. I I, I feel as an artist that if I create something and 
if somebody really wants it, since I created the first one, I could create another one. And I could paint, you know, I could do something else for myself. You know, I have a couple that are, are portraits of my parents that I had done in the past. I, I, those I have is not for sale. Um, I'll show them in shows, but, you know, like, I, I, I don't have a price on that one. But that's few. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I guess if I really felt strongly about it, I probably wouldn't put it in a show where I would put, like, a really ridiculous price on it so that if they did want it, I would be like... We do know artists who do that. Oh, yeah. Yes, they'll really, really raise the this. price it's on it. It's going to be 10 grand. But. <laughs> yeah, and if they... And, and, and we know we, we know artists who have then gotten that price, and oh. they're shocked, and it's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Better start a new one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Each and every piece, you see that as it's something that's unique, and you can make stuff like it, but you'll never make things exactly like it. Mm -hmm. you see, is that how your work is? Mm -hmm. Every piece is unique? Sure. Yeah, yeah everything. And especially so. because I think as artists, at least for me, you're continually learning and you're continually changing your style. You know, with each thing I do, I might, you know, learn a little more about color or learn a little more about a certain technique or I'll change my technique and go from... Uh, you know, adding more uh, texture into something rather than in the past I used to do more of a flat paint. Um, so that kind of thing. Like, But it is always evolving. So, And that's important to me. I do different bodies of work. I know uh, a lot of people strive to just work on the same thing and just keep, you know, doing pastel or keep doing the same style, and that's their style. And, um, you know, many galleries love that. That's what they want, because they want to be able to say, that is that artist, and you're always going to get that look. And I know that when they bring their artwork in, that's what it's going to be. But um, I, to me, I love experimentation, and I love doing different things. So that's just more, you know, that's what I need to do as an artist. Is that what brings you back to the well, brings you back to... This is a, a blank canvas, right? right? Like literally, this is a blank canvas yeah. that I'm going to challenge myself to create something new, different, something I haven't seen before, something I haven't yeah. expressed before. Is that something that... Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that way. I mean, I'll even I'll just be out and about and I'll look at something and be like, you know, hey, I, I can make something out of this. You know, I could create an image of this or, you know, something might inspire me mm -hmm. to... Challenge yourself. Yeah, challenge myself. Or I'll see her doing some new thing and be like, hey, I, I'd like to try that too. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get stumped? Do you ever get like the equivalent of writer's block at the canvas? And how do you work through that? Just dive in. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just really like forcing yourself. Like, but I mean, some some artists I know they paint daily and they just get in there and they paint daily. I I'm not like that. If I'm not feeling it, I I don't. Uh, so I'll I'll go weeks sometimes without doing something, and then something will spark my interest, and then that gets me back into. It. And I think that's that experimentation side that I like. Um, you know, a, a a new material, a new style, a new or like. Like Jim was saying, you're out somewhere and you see something like just get, you know, like the sky or the clouds or a, a certain cluster of trees or something. And you'll just see it and you can just envision it in a painting or a drawing or an etching or yeah, kind of inspire you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just have to make it then. You have to make it. You have to make it. It's a, it's a compelling urge. Mm -hmm. You have to do that. Mm -hmm. What happens to you when, uh, when you have this like, oh, I, I've got to get to. 
I got I have to get to my materials. I have to get to my screen, my computer. I have to get this out there. And you can't. Do you feel like, you know, is it such a burning desire that, you know, this obsessive thing that, um, you know, you're not going to be complete until you get that out or at least attempt it? You know what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that way. Like, I, I, I do some songwriting. And I'll have an idea in the morning, and if I don't hurry up and record it, I'll come home later, and maybe I don't remember exactly how it was going to be. And on the art end of that, if even if it's I just do a really quick sketch or something just to give me an idea. Mm-hmm. I use I my phone a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if there's something and it's giving me inspiration, like I get photos of it, you know, so that I can keep that in my mind, you know, same way, you know, write down little notes on it and, uh, so that I have something to go back to later. And, yeah. uh, and get it, get that's, it down. And that's one of the things that got me into digital. I, I have things on my phone. I, you know, I, I can sit down there at the end of the day, plop myself down on the couch, and I don't have to clean up paint or anything afterwards. But <laughs> I can, you know, start working on so something jealous. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, during the commercials, I can uh, start on something. So. Yeah, yeah. As, as a digital artist, he's very prolific because it just he, he can just do so so much without having to drag all the tools out and. Like he said, clean everything it's up. It's less, less messy. It is less messy. <laughs> but it's fun to make a mess, too. Uh, yeah. She brought pastels home, and I really enjoyed it, but I destroyed a tablecloth. It just <laughs> went everywhere. You're both musicians. Does the art world from the computer, the canvas, and other media translate into the music? Are those two creative acts reinforcing, connected in any way? I think it's all a creative process. And yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm like with music. If I if I want to sit down and write a song, it's uh, I I kind of imagine a blank canvas. You know, I might have an idea of what I want to write about, but there's that blank canvas. Hmm. Early on in our marriage, um, we met uh, a woman uh, from this area, um, Elizabeth Douglas, Betty Douglas. As she she went by Betty Douglas when she was out there singing, and she went as Elizabeth. As went as for her art, and we always used to joke around that if we came together with his music and my art, and we we both worked on this, we might be able to do a, a, a portion of what this woman did on her own, because she was just she was it was kind of our goal to do what she did in yeah, her life and like do the art, do the music, inspiring, and, and, yeah, and get out there in the public and and try to help you know both. Yeah. Uh, we we came here. We weren't married very long. And we came here for a Valentine's Day event, and it was her singing, playing music. It was her artwork, and we were just like, wow, blown away. Have you guys ever combined the two? We do. We we do uh, art shows where we'll be playing the music uh, at the show. Um, I, I, I teach different art classes, and Jim will be the, the musical background to paint by. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so we... Uh, yeah, I did one. I, I haven't done a lot of these yet, but as I'm doing digital, I'm trying to get into more like, you'll go to an art show now, and there'll be a, a television monitor hanging there, and it'll have like the art moving around, you know, like video. Mm. So I was trying to do... I did a little bit of that and actually kind of like made a soundtrack for it. And, mm-hmm. Some of the some of the older hippie people were like, "Wow!" So I thought, "Okay, I'm doing, I'm on the right track." Here. Yeah, it was an interesting thing because we uh, we also belong to a fiber arts guild in Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, so he did digital weaving, on, and that was what he had his soundtrack behind. So it was, yeah. So so on the screen, it was warp the in the, the weft, weft. Uh, of of the weaving, and it just kept building the 
the structure as it went. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, so just, you know, we, we try to combine it all. So I, I work with folks uh, from time to time uh, in sound design. So when, when we, like, listen back to some of their productions, right, I always ask, like, well, why'd you do this here? Why'd you do that? Everything from the volume of something, the placement of something, a sound effect, for example. And I often find that people who are sort of novice, they don't have a theory of what, or at least they can't articulate very well, a theory of what they were doing. So if we were to, like, look at your art, and I were to point out a part of the canvas or a part of a screen and say, well, what happens here? Why do you do this? Are you the kind of artist where you, where you could sort of say, oh, this is what I was doing here. This is what I meant to do. This is why I did this. Or are you the type of artist who's like, I don't know, that's just how it came out. <laughs> that's just a miracle. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I generally think in those terms, though. Like, yeah, you, you probably could point at mine and be like, why is this here? And I, I, I would have an answer for you. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the, sa in the same way, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I try to stay really um, focused on, on the flow of the design, you know, where I want someone's eye to, to fall on the page, you know, foreground, background, dark, light. Uh, yeah, so I do. I try to think all of that out. I, it's not just a, oh, yeah, that ended up that way because, you know, yeah. it just happened to be that way when the brush stroke went down. You're, you're trying to be deliberate a bit. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying with sound because I record a lot of my own stuff and I'll put some little thing that I think no one else is going to hear just for my own. I'm like, oh, you heard that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tie this back to f this idea of fine arts, like where we began. Mm -hmm. So fine arts seems to me like of anything you look at, it looks all very much volitional to me. Like artists knew what they're doing. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I mean? As opposed to more amateurish art or just art that is um, abstract, you know, which can be fine art, of course. But uh, like per people's perceptions of art, like, oh, that just looks like a bunch of paint on canvas or that just looks like, a third grader did that or whatever. We know that not to be true, really, in most cases for artists. They do know. They do have a theory of, of their, their work. What, what is your reaction to, to those public reactions that might look at you know, anyone's art and go, I could do that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, this is actually a serious thing. I mean, this ties back to whether people want to buy your art or whether they're even interested in looking at the art or whether... It, it, it means anything to them at all, their perception of art, whether it's just like simplistic and childish and untalented or whatever, versus, you know, like some of the stuff you see here, it's like master, old world master art. Mm -hmm. I think I, under, I understand what you're asking. Um, everybody has a different opinion. Everybody sees art differently. Everybody, that, just like, as I said earlier, with my pieces, it always amazes me sometimes when I can, when I hear what they think they're seeing in the artwork. So I don't put much, uh, too much um, into what one person is saying. Like, so if somebody says, oh, well, that's just paint you know, thrown on a thing. When do you think Jackson Pollock? Um, <laughs> it's like... I could have had a squirrel throw paint at the canvas. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right. there's just so many different fields and so many different uh, types of, of painting yeah. out there. You have to have, a, I think you have to have a little bit of a thick skin. I mean, it's even like that with the, the various art leagues, you know, you'll get a call for artists, you know, you'll put what you think is your best work out there to be in the show. And I've seen artists and they don't get in the show and they get really frustrated. And, you know, it's like, well, that's one person, whoever the judge of that show was might not have liked it, but you don't know. Or what it might not have fit feel. into what their vision of, might of not the, have show. Fit the show. Yeah. So, you, you know, you just have to keep, keep at it. 
I have this conversation with a lot of people about the culture of art here in Beaver County and how, in a general sense, a lot of folks in our community are not art literate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have much of a, a language and a discourse and a conversation about art generally here in the county. We don't talk about art much. We don't. I mean, art education in the school was very lacking. So, you know, it, it, can people just say, oh, that that is impressionism, that is pointillism? Do people have that sort of knowledge about art to even have a meaningful discourse um, beyond... Some people only know what they like. I was just about to say that. That's what yeah, you get. They, they oh, like I, like. I know what I like. I know, well, do you? <laughs> I guess that's my... Do you really Because it's what they're used to this, and it's what they think art is. Yeah. You know, a caveman can point to something and go, ugh, you know, me, me like. <laughs> but I don't know, beyond that, I mean, the arts really open up if we have a language and we have a sense and appreciation and we get, engage others in conversation around art. We learn about art through these conversations. There's not much of that going on. I've sensed, and a lot of artists I talk to have sensed as well in this county and we can stand for more of these kinds of conversations about art. Do you I agree, agree? I agree with that. And I think, well, I think both Jim and I, uh, when it comes to art and music, we try to be very encouraging to people. Um, because, you know, in the classes we've taught and, and in and meeting new newer artists or even, you know, some who have been doing art for, for many years, we try to be as encouraging as possible and not negative. Mm -hmm. Because it's all, you have to appreciate every piece of art that you look at for its simplicity, for its complexity, um, for the style, of, you know, for the usage of the medium. It's it's all art. And, and I think... Um, you know, this need to say, oh, well, it's not as good as X, or oh, you know, it's, you need to work harder. I think that's being overly critical, and art is just, should be out there for everybody to enjoy for whichever type of art they like. Art should bring joy to everybody, give them the opportunity to see something that is new to them. But can art also be sorrowful? Of course. Emotion. It invoke some type of emotion. Yeah, thought-provoking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, it shows the artist, too, and, and what, what they're going for. I mean, like, I usually try to bring joy and light. I, I very rarely do anything that's a serious or um, it's just not what I do. If I am that sad or, or going through something, I don't paint. Whereas Jim uses those kind of emotions, and he creates very well through something like that. Yeah. This is a fascinating conversation. So where can people find your art? Uh, well, we have Tobin Studios in Ambridge, so we, we do have our own studio. And uh, we, uh, we use it to, uh, you know, store our art. You know, we've done music lessons through there over the years, art lessons. Uh, we've had it for about 20 years uh, but uh, so we have that it, by it appointment. Houses a lot of our art. Houses a nice. lot of our so art. It's kind of evolving into a mm -hmm. more of an art space than anything. And then uh, we also have our artwork at Bottle Brush Gallery in Harmony, and online. It's very very complicated names. It's Deborah Tobin Art and uh, James Tobin Art. <laughs> What's that website again? What's that website again? Yeah, exactly. You know, so uh, we both have that. Um, well, let me ask you one final question. Uh, as artists, would you prefer your public to experience your art live in person or online? What's more meaningful for you? 
I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very much a digital person, a digital world. I, you know, I totally embraced Zoom when, when everybody went to it. And I think digital art shows are fantastic. Uh, so I think if, if somebody can get to you and see it live in person, that's great. But if there's a reason that you're too far or can't make it, I, you know, I'd love for you to, to look at my art, art online. It's the best surrogate experience, yeah, exactly. right? If you can't make it there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, maybe people that wouldn't see it otherwise can see it. Yeah. I, I think in person is, is great. You're in a gallery, you're going around, you're seeing the, all the different pieces and how people react to them and stuff, but can't always be there. The more I think about this question, the more I lean towards the experience of being in front of a work of art or being in the audience when someone's playing music. You know, I recorded music enough to realize I want people to come and listen live to mm -hmm. music. You know what I mean? I mean, you could do, you could record music, right? You know, and it's true. People who can't be there, that's mm -hmm. a, it's a great substitute, mm -hmm. of course. But man, you get no better experience than just feeling that those music vibes hit you and come through you. Or when you're like in the gallery here at Merrick and you're looking at, you know, things are arranged in the old salon style and you're craning your neck and you're looking up there and you're like, oh, that's a Courbet up there, right? That visceral experience, mm -hmm. tactile visceral experience, I think is uh, part of the equation that I just find more and more meaningful personally. Oh, I mean, definitely. But I think that any way that you can get art out is important. The Fricata an exhibition of Monet, and we went there. I saw paintings that I had only seen in books and seen them my whole life. Isn't that thrilling? And when I went there, it brought tears to my eyes. Yes. I, I just immediately yeah. started to cry standing oh, really? in front of one of the paintings. So, yeah, to actually stand there. Yeah, time. so of course, it's always better in person if you can. But, you know, I'm still glad that I got to see them, you know, in books and digitally before that. Yeah, no. yeah, we we would never have a chance to see mm -hmm. so much of the world's great art, you know, that we think of uh, without the internet now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so hooray for the digital world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's tricky. Although I make it in the digital world, but then I put it in the physical world. <laughs> That's right. That's interesting reversal of, yeah. of context. Yeah, Deborah James, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate this conversation. Very thoughtful. Our pleasure. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. So what if you're busy getting old? Long as you got someone to hold. Remembering things that aren't around anymore. Try to explain exactly who and what they were. Time marches on. Time marches on. ourselves we have to know ourselves what do you love and if you get close to what you love who you are is revealed to you and it expands you start to see how connected we all are it's so beautiful in singing our song in telling our story in inviting you to say hey listen to me and I'll listen to you we're starting a dialogue 
and we come out of our corners and we start to witness each other's common humanity. We start to assert it. And when we do that, really good things happen. You have to express yourself. It's actually super easy. You just have to follow your love. There's no path till you walk it. You are listening to the Genesis Collective's Creatives Podcast.